Ping. I'm good, mate. I'm good. And uh, a couple of weeks since the last episode um, have really flown by and uh, it's to be doing the podcast more regularly again. Well, we're up to we're up to F, which I'll explain shortly what F is going to be about. Um, And it's our sixth episode of the second series. So, you know, we're we're plugging along. But I've got a few shout outs I want to give just at the start again. Obviously, uh, Resolution Festival was on at the 100 Club uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we went, I think we went three nights. We went Conflict, Subhumans, and GBH. Yeah, we did. And uh, I met a lot of people as I do my physical social media, talking to people at gigs, and, you know, <laughs> find, for, for yeah. finding out where they're from and what, you know, what, what they're up to. And I, I met Boris and Veronica from Slovakia, so I want to give them a shout out. They were like, uh, they were really nice people and they're hoping to come back over again for uh, the grade two show, I think, at the Underworld in March or the end of May, I think it is. So I hope to see them again. Lara from Brazil. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he talked forever to us from the Verrucas. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a shout out as well, you know, Um but that Resolution Festival, really well organised. Um, 100 Club, I've got to be honest, it's not my favourite venue in London, although it's got that punk heritage, you know, of uh, pistols playing there and stuff like that. It's The stage setup is just like, it's, it's, it's abysmal for a, for a live music venue in Oxford Street. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, the guy talking to us from the Verrucas is Anthony, isn't it? Rat. Yeah, it was, yeah. The singer. And uh, I, I like the Verrucas. I remember them sort of spin-off from Discharge back in the day, and that was really great to meet him. He was a really lovely guy, and really, he'd had a great gig, hadn't he? And he was, you know, full of yeah. full of beans, and uh, it was really good to meet him. So if you're listening, uh, Rat, it was bloody great meeting you at the gig, so thanks for coming over. It was. Another thing that we spoke about um, in the last episode, which was E for Emerging Acts, and we did Noah and the Loners, was about... A, a couple of people have uh, sent me music through on Instagram of new bands, and because I, I bang on every week about new bands, right? And uh, so, by all means, feel free to send your music by direct message on Instagram, Dead's Not Punk Podcast, or send it to email, and we'll hopefully have a. By the time we get to end, we can do new bands for 2024. So um, it's, it's it's great that you've mentioned that. Sorry to jump in, but doing end for new bands, which makes total sense. I mean, we are doing the A to Z of punk, and people would think that you do like bands beginning with those letters. But we've done well, E for emerging bands, and we're going to do F for festivals. So it's yeah, our well, doing that, the A to Z. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking when we decided to do festivals. I was thinking. You know all the other Fs that I looked at. One of the obvious ones would have been fanzines, yeah, because we, yeah. we could have gone back through fanzine culture. We, we talked about fanzines quite a lot on the podcast, 
Um, but before we get into festivals, I wanted to, uh, there's a couple of anniversaries I want to just give a shout out to. Um, 44 years ago this week, I went to see The Clash at Glasgow Apollo, uh, supported by Mikey Dredd. And uh, big shout out to Stoker, uh, who's banned the one takes from air with a support band that night. And uh, he made me miss my English O-level or GCSE to come to that, that show. So I want to give a shout out to that. I did two nights at Glasgow Apollo, supported by Mikey Dredd and a local support each night. And then it sort of got me thinking about festivals. Were there any festivals around about that sort of 79, 80? And there was. There was a, the first ever festival that I went to, which I'm, I'm going to ask you your first festival in a minute, Sure, The first ever festival that I went to was the Loch Lomond Festival in uh, Loch Lomond. Uh, and yeah, it, it was over two days, right? And the first day was very what you'd say, punk and new wave. And the second day was kind of more metal. Like, bands like the Cogs and yeah. the Jam, the jam headlined. But like Stiff Little Fingers played, The Only Ones played, The Cuban Heels played, Bad Manners played. God, it sounds like a rebellion lineup. Yeah. Without, without I was going to say, that's like Rebellion 2027, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Will Paul, Weller, Will Paul Weller get the jam back together, you know? Yeah. To do it, and so that was that was my first ever festival, and it was a, uh, it, it was marred actually by a lot of, because uh, at that time seventy nine eighty there was there was a lot of violence in punk movements, mm-hmm. the, the mixture between skins and punks and stuff like that, and there was a lot of I can remember there was a lot of fighting going on at that festival, and I remember Jake Burns calming the whole thing down by. Uh, I think he did a he did a cover of it doesn't make it all right. Yeah, and uh, he tried to calm down the skins and the punks. It was just you know it, it was a crazy time. So what was the first festival? Boys, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about my first festival as an intro to our incredibly special guest. Before I do that, I just want to do a one shout out to Andy and the guys at BSI Merch for helping us out with the podcast. Always a, a pleasure to see and meet up with you guys. If you want some merch doing and you're in a band, etc., you could do a lot worse than look up BSI Merch, who are a great bunch of people, very ethical, um, and have uh, been really helpful to the podcast, so thank you there. So I am yes. going to talk about my first festival, Ewan, but right. I, it makes an, a totally appropriate entry point to introduce the one and only uh, Dick Lucas from the Subhumans, Culture Shock, and, of course, Citizen Fish. So welcome, Dick, to the podcast. Welcome. Hello. Yeah, thanks. Th- thanks for coming along. And and the reason why I've introduced you in and around my first festival experience was because when I was a youngster, I lived in Northampton, and um, one of the bands that that were around in this sort of scene at the time there was the band Antisect. And uh, I used to hang out a lot with those guys, and um, a couple of my mates were in bands, and we, you know, we toured around with them quite a lot. And uh, I'd never sort of really heard about festivals or you know been to anything like that before, and. In 1984, we all hitchhiked down to Stonehenge to the festival there. And I'd never seen anything like it. It was this almost like a small town had sprung up. It was like a, it was like a scene from Game of Thrones. It was unbelievable. I just had such an insane time. And, um, and, I, and I read your book, well, not your book, but I read the book by Ian Glasper, who 
we we were lucky enough to have on the podcast a little while ago and he was talking about the book and i read the part about when you played at stonehenge in 1983 in front of your blue sort of post yeah. office van and uh someone had bought along a yeah. PA, some speakers on sticks I, i'm telling the story you need to tell the story you tell us tell us about that time at stonehenge Sorry. yeah we were yeah we had like uh no idea what it's going to be like before we got there uh that's another story in itself getting there um, but in terms of that gig, um, it was us there and Organised Chaos were there and uh, they knew someone back in Warminster 30 miles back that way and they got back somewhere and came back later on, an hour or two later with a generator and uh, we had the amps in case we could play anywhere on the site. Um, we weren't, we hadn't been like, invited to play any stages. We didn't know who to talk to or anything like that. So we just set the gear up by the van where it was and uh, plugged it all into a generator and played... Odd enough, possibly the longest set we ever played, about 33 songs uh, <laughs> to about 33 people. <laughs> wandering past. Yeah. It didn't sound too bad, you know, just mic up the mic and, uh, yeah, plug all the stuff in. It was like, it was like doing a normal gig. It's completely abnormal because it's like, A, it was outside. B, it was to largely people we'd never met before <laughs> or didn't know or who weren't punk rockers of the usual crowd type. Um, and it was all open air, and it was just doing it, and uh, see how it went, and it was great fun. The Stonehenge Festival's the festival quite itself. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting one in the kind of history of the connection with punk, isn't it? Because of course, you know, there, there's sort of some some stories about bands like Flux and Crass playing there in in those early '80s years, and uh, and the Mob, of course, who were local to the West Country as well. And I think I remember reading in the yeah. book that you sort of bumped into a couple of the guys from the Amoebics at, at Stonehenge, if I've got yeah. that right. And so there was this sort of, you know, interplay between the punk, the narco punk bands and Stonehenge, which of course represented sort of free thinking, didn't it? It was a free festival, it was very DIY. I remember sort of streets sort of formed and, you know, you could buy, so people were selling drugs really openly. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that before. And, you know, bikers and this this whole mishmash of the kind of underbelly of sort of society, of Thatcher's Britain. It was mad, and and then you know, even stretching back, even yeah, it was like everybody on the. It was like everybody who wasn't like on your normal town street on an everyday basis. It was like there was the strangers who the old old people you might see in the corner of pubs, but they all came out. They they all congregated together in a field. And it was just like, right, this is like, it was like you say, like a small town. Yeah. It was like, I, I see it's like 30,000 people or something. Yeah. All with tents and vehicles, horse-drawn vehicles and caravans and tractors and generators and two or three stages properly set up and just do-it-yourself mini non-stages set up. Bands just doing stuff through generators and that. Uh, people, like you say, were selling stuff on tracks in the field that became like streets. You could buy almost anything. Mostly, you didn't need or never even seen before. Half the food you got had drugs inside it. You wouldn't know until you'd eaten it. Half <laughs> the drinks were like that as well. Yeah, uh, the stuff you brought with you soon went. You know, you brought on something it just went mouldy. As well as about eight, ten of us um, came along with our tents and just found a little patch and set up there and got a fire going and wandered around and stumbled back. Yeah, and it was all completely, completely scary and new and exciting all at the same time. Yeah. There were some seriously big, nasty-looking people there, you know. 
Yeah, I yeah. mentioned the Amoebics. I was walking behind him. They had like two, I think it's Rob, probably Rob. He had like small bones in the back of his dreads and that back of his hair. I thought, wow, this is something else. Yeah. Turned out late, uh, later on, they were in the Amoebics. They were also in, I think it's 81, when a lot of trouble kicked off because the bikers mm. didn't like the punks turning up. Well, that was what I was going to ask you over, about. But, you know, would, was there any was there any violence associated with it with the collection of so many that sub-cultures? year? There was, yeah, there was, um, yeah. there was pockets of punk rockers camped out who were targeted and got attacked. The uh, Winchester punks, uh, a lot of them ended up in hospital and running away yeah. and getting beaten up and all sorts of nasty stuff. Uh, we managed to avoid it just by being in the right place at the wrong time. You see what I mean? Yeah, um, that was scary. Yeah, the bikers didn't like it at all. So you sort of kept together and didn't go to sort of outer sections of the festival where there seemed to be a lot of bikers parked around. You didn't look anyone in the eye for too long if they weren't smiling before you did it. Um, so there was a tension in the air, and uh, I think Crass got a, some flower bombs chucked up or something. Um, there was a sort who, of who, who, were, who, were the, who were the main stage acts? You know, you said there was proper stages there as well. Hawkwind. That's what, that's what I thought. Right? It was all, yeah, it was always, it was always going to be Hawkwind. Um, here and now, um, did the Pink Fairies play? And then, well, you one year, the Pink Fairies. I think the Pink Fairies, no probably, yeah, because yeah. it was the free, they were, they were part of the whole, they were part of the whole scene. Before punk rock, weren't they? I mean, yeah. Because we, we we had Mike Coles, the artist Mike Coles, on a few weeks ago, and uh, who did all the artwork for Killing Joke and does the Orb now and stuff. What a great guy! And we were talking to him about his artwork and how it all started and how he kind of got into doing art for Killing Joke and and he talked really passionately about coming from the festival scene, you know, the Windsor Free Festival and those sort of like early to mid seventies festivals and then, he, and then he talked about living in west london in Ladbroke grove and notting hill and how those two scenes kind of emerged uh, sorry merged together with people like joe strummer and paul simonon and you know that west london kind of punk rock set w- were born from right. that you know hawkwind i think lived in the area and or squatted so there was this sort of squatted you know it uh, it magazine and you know, those sorts of, that sort of scene it sort of started to evolve into the sort of proto-punk out of bands like Kilburn and the High Roads or the Pink Fairies and I guess Hawkwind as well to a certain extent. I mean, John Lydon famously cites Hawkwind as a huge influence, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, I mean, the... the, they, the were one of the they were one of the better bands before punk rock came along. Yeah. Mm. Um, the whole immersion... The pre Stone Edge festival scene that was going on, including Stone Edge itself, it started in like '72 or something like that. We were not really barely aware of it at all, let alone we weren't involved. We were like, we were still like 18, 19, whatever, when we first went in '81. And uh, that was our first introduction to the whole scene and this whole panoply of this myriad of people who were so different. And a lot of them were obviously the old hippies in the 60s. And a lot of those had kids, and a lot of their kids were there. And uh, so my, a lot of our punk mates were sons and daughters of old hippies that mm. had gone a bit straight, got the house, got kids, and they good kids. But the values carried on down. Yeah. Um, doing things as free as possible away from being caught doing it, especially when it came to drinking and 
drugs and that. Um, but being able to deal stuff and sell stuff and buy stuff and barter stuff uh, without any taxes or receipts or regulations and you can just like i can't afford that okay go it for this much in that case three for the price of two just like things like badges or apples or cakes or mm. drinks or yeah, yeah. clothes or cups i mean you can you can almost buy everything you need for a modern house almost <laughs> not very close to almost at a festival like stonehenge you could buy enough to survive at a festival for a start that was the main content yeah. of these people selling stuff like just on the side on a table off the table whatever it was a, it was a truly free market, yeah. so to speak, and that sort of um. Obviously, Stonehenge got crushed by Thatcher and the Public Order Act, whatever it's called, back mm. in eighty five, eighty six, yeah. and after then it became do whatever we could around the edge in places like Hanging Langford, Chaldeton Woods, um, and several others whose names I like, currently escape me, um, and it was like. There was an exclusion zone set up, like it was a war going on. Mm. <laughs> and you couldn't enter that without being arrested. So we just had vessels around the edge of that, still mm. in fields. And we would just drive around in convoys of uh, between 10 and 30 vehicles until someone found somewhere. And there was an open gate. We'd just go into a field and park up and get the generators going, set up a stage. And... Um, stay there for the whole weekend or a whole week, depending on who owned the land and how many cops bothered to show up mm. and how loud it all became for any neighbours if they were. Yeah. It was all uh, it was all quite spontaneous, but it did carry on for a few more years like that. And then, I mean, I know we've got a certain amount of time. It might as well shoot on a bit into the future. Then rave, the rave scene came along and got attached to it. Mm. And then suddenly right. festivals were more... Um, uh, more digital, shall we say, than live yeah. music going on. It's a mixture, but it got way digital. And we were still, by that time, uh, we got, I'd gone from Subhumans into Cold Shop, who did quite a lot of these festivals. And um, then they developed into the same thing, being able to pay money to get into them. And festivals generally at that point were becoming, there were more festivals being set up in general on the back of knowing how well the free festivals had gone. Um, but they were all charging money to cover the costs, and so it went on like that. And the, the actual nature of the free festival, the absolutely free festival, uh, became a lot smaller. It's starting to re-emerge in the last five, ten years or whatever. Mm. But um, yeah, it was a it was a large thing with not many festivals, but large free ones like Triwagi and the Elephant yeah. Fair, for instance. They were they were huge. They didn't last all week, but they lasted a few a long weekend. I remember the and, elephant. Um, that was um that was near Bristol, wasn't it? The yeah. elephant fair. Uh, the one we played was down in Dors- uh, Devon. Right. Okay. Yeah. I re- I just remember. I remember a. I remember eighty five and the bean battle of the bean field, and everyone ended up at the white horse at Westbury, sort of battered and bruised. And then in eighty six was the year of the sort of peace convoy. It was on telly and. And, and I think one of Thatcher's cabinet famously, I think maybe even Douglas Hurd called everyone a band of medieval brigands, and on on the news, yeah, yeah. which which was quite accurate, um, funnily enough. And I and I was going to ask you this because you're never going to remember, but I'm going to ask you anyway. 
I remember in 1986 being with traveling with my mate in a bus on the the so-called peace convoy and we pulled over somewhere and a lot of the time that convoy just pulled over at the side of the road and people were sort of setting things up just in the kind of bit of wood at the side of the road and stuff from my memory and you guys played and it must have been culture shock in in that year in this like a span tent pulled up you know with some poles and off the back line predominantly you know did you do a lot of that kind of stuff just sort of pop up impromptu you know pretty fucking deal there was a fair few the one the one you're remembering i'm i'm mixing up with one that was near stonehenge but it was i think it was citizen fish did one and cold shock did one different years uh one was a spring equinox where it was i think it was snowing it was really cold we were up there in like overcoats and it was uh about half a mile away from Stonehenge on one of those side roads. Yeah. I don't know if that's the one you're thinking of. I, I have to admit that at the time, <laughs> my mind wasn't exactly clear, crystal clear, given... This it, is it. What people got to understand about yeah. me- memorising things about festivals is just like you didn't have any memory of it when you left. You know, the day <laughs> yeah. after, what was the festival? Like, oh, yeah, man. I think oh, it's really good. Like, what happened last night? I'm not sure. It was great fun. So, yeah. like, you know, 40 years later, let's see, how much can we remember? Well, yeah. I've got a few dates written down. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Don't remember that one. Don't. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they, they do get mixed up. But the point is, it's a festival. You're not there yeah. to analyse the political, socio-political yeah. ramifications of it. You know what I mean? You're yeah. there to have a good time. Can I touch on something, Dick? You mentioned there how the music sort of moved and changed, you know, when the rave scene came along and... Uh, you know, dance culture and stuff like that. And then you had the, the criminal justice bill. How did that affect the whole free party scene? Because, you know, I mean, basically you couldn't have more than well, 20 people in a field dancing to repetitive beats. So uh, that sort of tried to spell the end of it. Well, the, the still, whole... Were you part of the that? The thing is, well? once that bill came in, well, we, we, we weren't really part of the rave scene because, uh, well, Personally, we're not really into the music uh, or the drugs that went along with it a lot. Um, But as a reaction to that bill, the Ravens just got updated and modernised. They got on their phones and they sorted themselves out. They really were organised and they just went at massive raves all over the place. So you could introduce all these laws, but they would find a way to get around the laws or at least find an escape route when the cops turned up. They they didn't actually just, the whole Ravens didn't like collapse because there's a law against Repetitive it actually beats. got, it, it actually um, got it, bigger. It made them, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It got much bigger because people thought, oh, what's this all about? Let's join in. It sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, and then it got more, what's the word, uh, commodified and that, as these things sometimes do. Um, but there was festivals that we were playing that was still a mixture of like a whole bunch of bands, you know, eight bands of a, a weekend or whatever, and a lot of rave music. It was like, um, what was that one? Down in David Stowe. That was down in Devon, no, Cornwall. Um, right. That was a tip. That was one such. And a few more whose names I couldn't put to. In terms of what you were saying earlier about, did we just turn up? We did, in culture shock especially, we had a, we had a van. We were living based in Warminster in Wiltshire, so it's dead close to Stonehenge, dead close to quite a lot of all the Wiltshire-based, Stonehenge-based festivals. And there was one night we got a phone call about eight in the evening from um, Camelford. Down in Devon, that place where all the what was that Cornwall? I get mixed up. That place where all the water got messed up one year. Yeah, uh, a bunch of travellers down in Camelford. I found a phone box and <laughs> rung us up. No mobiles. 
I said, like, yeah, we've got a sign. Come down and play. It's like, okay. So we hop in the van with all the gear, go all the way to Devon slash Cornwall, down to Camelford. And it's it's raining. Like We get there about half 11 at night. It's pouring down with rain. <coughs> They've got half a, a tent to put the gear under. A lot of mud everywhere. Uh, they haven't got any generator, so they go off to find one. That takes another hour. Um, about 20 people watch us in the rain. It sounds messy. It does, yeah. But we did it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they said, oh, is there any money in this money? What you want to pay? Uh, uh, hang on a minute. After that, it's 20 quid. Okay, thanks very much. Get back home at four, I think. Was it worth it? Don't know. But I tell you what, it's dead memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was, there was. There, most of them were better experiences than that. But yeah, it, that's that's the the attitude was. Somebody rings up and says, "We've got a field to play, and you can play it. Come join us." It was like, "Yes, we're all here. Let's get in the van and go." <laughs> what do you What do you think I mean, these days? Yeah, I was going to say about these days. I mean, what are your thoughts these days about? You know, we've talked a lot about people. I mean, you've just given us a description of. You know, regardless of whether it was pissing down the rain and you had a bit of a grim time, it was still somebody trying to make something happen. It was still an element of the DIY sort of ethos. You don't see so much of that now. It's it, it's a little bit more difficult. But then there are pockets of resistance, so to speak, or there are pockets of inspiration in places like Rockaway Park yeah. and in Temple Cloud near Bristol, which That's are an ideal example. Right? Yeah, which I which I saw you at, you know, a few months ago, and I I know you're a big supporter of that place and uh you know other than that which which mark wilson runs i mean are there, do you have any other sort of inspirations or are there any other examples of things that you've seen today that sort of give you some hope or sort of some confidence because we don't have as much of the diy free festival stuff going on well i would absolutely love to reel off a whole list of places you should now go and visit because they are joining in with Rockaway Park in being that sort of place. But the closest I can get to without thinking too hard is the one in 12 club in Bradford. Oh, brilliant. Uh, which is a, a small club that's been there for yeah. decades and is still DIY and it's still very political. It holds a whole bunch of information and fanzines and books and like a whole library of stuff. And they do gigs and they're supportive of the local scene. They're very much a community involved thing and there's no one else is running it, just the people who work there. Mm. And uh, there are more than that, of course, dotted around the place. But uh, if we don't play there, we generally don't find out. Because one of the things I'm going to say these days, mm. we don't go as far as we used to in terms of spontaneous gigs yeah. and that sort of thing. Because we're older, there are children involved, people have got jobs. Mm. We can't just like, we're not as free as we used to be in terms of time yeah. and space. Um, but, um, but Anyone who hasn't been to Rockaway, at least go to the website, rockawaypark.co.uk, I believe. And if you're anywhere near Bristol, Bath, the west of England, England, Europe, you should go and visit it because it's uh, it's it's all the all the good stuff about the festivals, like Stonehenge, say, all the good stuff, but none of the brew crew and none of the weird drugs, none of the heavy drugs, none of the drunkards falling into your tent, mm. none of that stuff. They've taken all the bad stuff out of the festival scene, so to speak, the DIY scene, I put it into Rockaway. So they've got workshops on a regular basis. They've got what they call a church, which is a very large um, building with a massive archway roof on it. And it's a church 
partly because if you build a church, you don't need as much building permission or any building permission as long as you can vouch that you've got a congregation of some sort. So Mark called it a church, set up the congregation of agitation. And uh, to join, you get a special membership card and a T-shirt and your name in the big book. And Mm. it costs you a tenner or 20 if you want a T-shirt. You're then a member. They've got 1,800 and something members at the moment. And uh, he uses that tenner. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a member. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the word church is a bit weird, but once you see what it is, it's normally a church, but it's a church where Mark is right in thinking this the idea of a church is somewhere that people to go to to gather to mm. join in, and then you just cut out all the God stuff, you just talk about how you're living and make yeah. communication happen between people of the same type. Mm. So there's a communication center as well people live there in the vans at the back of it they're growing their own organic food around down the side they've got a vegan cafe going on in the middle they've got regular irregular gigs there was a barber there until recently they do their own printing of posters and t-shirts for bands and mm. occasions and that sort of thing mark himself he he was asked to join the local village council because he was talking to the councillors about setting something up they, they were so impressed by his knowledge of how things work generally so they said, well, do you want to be a member of the council? He said, um, hey, uh, okay then. <laughs> so he's, he's he's now advising the local councillors on how to run the area in terms of... He's probably, he's, probably, he's probably got some good leverage in there now, you know, for whatever he wants to do. He probably gets a bit of leeway because the parking's always a bit of an issue. I think people leaving yeah. as well. But, you know, it's great that you've talked about Rockaway and it is an inspiration and... and, and you know, hopefully it's it's giving other people. I mean, we uh, we we've, we've been and you know we always talk about we should be doing more. You know, it, it is really inspiring and and fair play to them. So, I know we are the the time is ticking down, and I and I and I just wondered if you'd, you know, that your your conversation there about Rockaway was was great. I mean, is there anything else? I mean, thoughts on resistance and awareness today. You know, given the bands that you've been in and the and the, and the longevity of them, and there's you know, Subhumans obviously still as amazing as ever in my view by the way what is there another album talk t- tell us about that i've got to know that <laughs> after christ yeah well, what? we're not doing another album until we until we got the songs together for it. i don't know where you heard we're doing another album i mean it's what bands should be doing we're doing more gigs that's a, that's yeah. a guarantee i'm going to do more albums that's a guarantee but i can't say this one coming out soon because at the moment we've only got three songs semi-formed at a practice that we had last august we don't right. practice much because our job is in Germany. We don't live over here. So we don't get together except unless we're doing gigs. And um, sound checks are not the greatest place to start making up new songs. No. Um, it's a very slow process. It's been, it's been since, well, whenever Trotsky went to Germany. Yeah. 2000 and something. But you've done, but you've done shows, but, but you've done um, shows just recently because we went to see you, as you and said at the beginning, at uh, the 100 Club. Are there any more live yeah. dates planned for the yeah. Superhumans? Yes, we got um, end of March, start of April. We're we're going to Bristol, Coventry, Stamford, London. You're doing the New Cross in London. I think it's on Monday night. And a bit of it is New Cross. Yes, that's yeah, on Monday the second of April. Yeah, first or second of April. Yeah, yeah. Should be good. We'll yeah. definitely be there for that. And. Uh, just one final question for me. What's on Dick Lucas's playlist at the moment? What are you listening to? 
Um, listening what, to what, a lot of last what, year's what, squad. Right. What surprised me was your Rosillo's T-shirt at the 100 Club. I was like, excellent. Good call. Good, great oh, Scottish <laughs> band. Great Scottish band, you know. That so, is, they're very good. The best. Yeah, so, so the yeah, best. I've got yeah. Uh, so I've got several Rosillo's T-shirts. They were right. just a band who like never did a bad. They, they never did a bad song. Um, no. They split up before they could do any bad songs, and they're still going. But the fact is, they got really good shirts. Mm. The <laughs> yeah. best one, he said, looking at this golden shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's just good colours. Exactly. I know when exactly. it comes to a shirt, it's got a, it's got to look good. They're just a good band. I'm going to jump in because I want to say goodbye before we run out of time. So thank you so much for coming on. This will just end. But I do want to play out on a Subhumans track, uh, Work, Rest, Play, Die, which is my favourite Subhumans track of all time. Um, And uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm going to play that. And I I want to say thank you, but we've only got a few seconds to go. So if you don't mind, I'm going to press play because I want to hear some of this. Thanks, Dick. Speak to you again. Thanks, Dick. See you at the new cross Thanks, see you. Thanks. Yeah. See you later. Uh, cheers, my dears. <laughs> and people of the country have forgotten how to disagree. The national economy is said to be okay. The wages that you get will help you to forget. Will you keep your ideologies or throw them all away when the system has you beaten? Even now you haven't eaten because you can't afford to eat or drink to keep your brain alive. Blame the system for the weather. Carry on as 